What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Vlavic linked to Arsenal again. Gabriel Jesus is on course to face Argentina in uh, Brazil's World Cup qualifier. And uh, have Germany unlocked a new position for Kai Havertz? We're going to talk about all of that on this edition of the Chronicles of Aguilar. I don't know what's happened to me with these uh, introductions. But they're all going wrong. Anyway, it's the Chronicles of Aguna. We're live. We go again. Come on. Jesus, this international break, I think, has taken away my ability to start a, a live podcast in the correct tone to make sure I don't slip up in the intro. I don't know what's going on. I'm out of practice. It's got to be that, right? Hope you're all good. Hope you're all well. Welcome back to another live edition of the show. Uh, we're live on YouTube and, of course, um, a big hello to those of you that will be watching this back and to those of you that, of course, will be listening to this back on all the various audio platforms. Let me say a few hellos because there's plenty of you with us already. Big hello to Divesh who says, Vlavic to Arsenal. Which year is this? Yeah, it does feel um, like we're repeatedly linked to this guy. Um, we've got to talk about it again because it is in the news. But I also want to provide a little bit of context around why I think that this rumour has resurfaced again at this particular time. Now, of course, you know, the January window's not a million miles away. It's about a month and a bit away. You can understand why Arsenal are being linked to players. You can understand why these links, you know, come to the surface when it's an international break because there's not really all that much else to talk about in the world of club football. But, um, you know, we'll get onto that in a little bit more detail a little bit later on. Uh, we've got Tamina in the chat. We've got Tom. We've got Moss uh, as well. Temi's with us. Uh, Silvio's with us. Uh, Adair is with us. He says, I haven't caught a live one in a while. Cheers to H and the Chronicles family from Brooklyn, New York. Hope you're all well. Thank you very much, mate. We've got Delisu. We've got Melanie John says, cracking start. Yeah, yeah. it's live. I can't even go back and do it again. That's the problem, right? Uh, big hello to Trev uh, as well. We've got Thierry Henry, the real Thierry Henry, apparently. He says, uh, Vlavic is overrated. And uh, Trev says, uh, fiddle with the like button, people. I'm not sure I would have put it like that, but you get the gist. <laughs> Hit the like button if you haven't done so already, right? As I say, we're going to talk Vlavic, we're going to talk Jesus, we're going to talk Kai Havertz, and we're going to get your thoughts on all of those subjects before a nice little Q&A at the end, which I can't wait to get into. It's always my favourite part of the show. So without further ado, let's dive into today's story. Just a quick reminder before we do that, if you haven't checked it out already, uh, go back to the last bit of content on the YouTube channel. It'll be the last podcast in your feed as well. Uh, we put out an early edition of the debrief. I know we normally do that on Monday or Tuesday, depending on the football calendar. But given the news uh, that broke, of course, on Friday with regards to Everton, the 10-point deduction, and all the talk that that sparked around uh, similar situations that Manchester City and Chelsea could be facing... Um, I figured that it was worthwhile uh, doing an episode of the debrief on the Everton case, talking about the difference between that one and the other ones that people are calling for to be resolved. And uh, and I shared my opinion on whether or not 
the punishment that Everton have been handed is is fair, whether it's a little bit over the top and how I think actually the Premier League have now set a precedent that they are in need now of following up and following through on. So that's going to be really, really interesting uh, in the coming months um, to see how they deal with other cases of a similar nature, but other cases that even might be, you know, if you want to go down that road a little bit more severe, because I've looked into the Everton case and I explained it quite a bit on that episode, but that's the last episode of the debrief on the Chronicles of Aguna. Please do check it out, but that's not what we're here to talk about today. We're going to start off by talking Gabriel Jesus. Okay. Where do we go with this? Because if you think back to a few days ago, we were all up in arms about the fact that Brazil had called up Gabriel Jesus, despite him not being fit to play at the time. I remember saying to you guys that I thought that if he stepped up his recovery and it meant that when he returned, you know, he'd be in much better shape and in a place to compete for a place in the Arsenal side at Brentford, then actually I'd be okay with it. But it's about managing him carefully. It's about managing him in the right way. So according to reports and according to those that are keeping a close eye on the Brazilian national team training camp at the moment. Jesus is back in full training. Um, And I saw a tweet that really, really made me laugh the other day. Um, I want to share it with you guys actually on the screen for those of you that are watching. Let me just dig it out. Um, Hold on a second. This uh, this had me in fits of laughter uh, when I heard this. One second. Let me see if I can share it on the screen. Bear with me a mo. Uh, Where is it? Where is it? Um, Here it goes. I think it's this one. Yep. Here we go. Check this out. This is fantastic. Um, (laughs) There's this picture of Gabriel Jesus basically in Brazilian training, sort of doing this like acrobatic volley. I don't even know if this picture was genuinely taken from the current training camp or if this is an old one or whatever. But this guy, uh, Ebuka means great. That's his Twitter handle. He says, all of us are here praying for God to protect this brother, but he's there doing the Bundesliga logo fantastic if you haven't seen this tweet go over to my uh my twitter because i am um, i reshared this yesterday I, honestly i was laughing at this for ages it's brilliant uh really really good work really good work indeed but yeah look everyone's obviously concerned about jesus's fitness everybody knows i think and recognizes what an important player he is to this arsenal team people keep telling me every time I speak to them that Arsenal need a new striker and he's not good enough and all the rest of it. But he brings so much to the side that we can ill afford um, to lose him for another period. And so you can understand why people are worried about A, his recovery, B, the way that Brazil are seemingly pushing him that bit harder than we'd like in an ideal world. And everybody's going to be waking up on Wednesday morning because the game is uh, early hours of Wednesday morning. That game is between, of course, Brazil and Argentina. Everybody's going to be waking up, refreshing their Twitter feeds to find out if Gabriel Jesus, A, played, B, how long he played for, and see if he came out of it unscathed. If he gets like 45 minutes in the tank and that puts him in contention for Brentford, I'm okay with that. But only if he's ready. And the truth is, we don't really know how ready he is, right? We're not on the training pitch. We're not doctors. We're not physios. We don't have all the information to hand. But there is this natural um, sort of... I don't know, there's this kind of natural, what's the word, tendency within us, I guess, to to always fear the worst. And listen, in Gabriel Jesus's case in particular, I think it's more than justified because this is a guy that went away on international duty with Brazil at the World Cup, done his knee and was out for three months afterwards. And we had to cope without him for a long period of time. 
So you can understand why Arsenal fans fear him being pushed too far. And you can understand why Arsenal fans will be concerned about how he gets on. Look, he seems to have this incredible ability to recover quickly from injuries. But given the frequency with which he's picking them up, but it does lead you at times to wonder if he's actually fully recovering from these problems before being thrust back into the side. He is someone that will want to play. He is someone that will be desperate to have an impact. And when he plays, he plays with his heart on his sleeve. He's all action. He doesn't do half measures, Gabriel Jesus. And um, yeah, you know, it's it's a plus, but it's also a negative at times because I think sometimes he maybe fools the physios because ultimately, look, as a physio, you can look at your, your scans and you can do your analysis and you can do your examinations. But ultimately, you're relying as well on the player to be honest with you about how he's feeling. And in Gabriel Jesus's case, I get the impression that sometimes, you know, he might say, yeah, yeah, I'm fit when he's only 75% there. And I appreciate that you need to play games to build it back up and you need minutes to build yourself back up to your peak condition. But I also worry that he could be doing himself longer term damage. And that might play a part in why he breaks down so often. The fact that he probably isn't recovering from each and every one of these problems fully before coming back into sides and being heavily, heavily relied upon. Um, the other thing is as well, as I said the other day on the show, you know, it's it's Argentina. You know, this is a grudge match and a half. This is the, the biggest game in South American football. Passions will be running high. I expect there to be plenty of kicks. It's going to be a combative fixture. And this is not the game that you want to throw someone in who's recovering from an injury, um, particularly if you're an Arsenal fan, because whether Brazil win, lose or draw makes zero difference to us. Um, Fuad says um, in the chat, how bad is the Brazilian talent pool that they need to rely on a half fit Jesus? It's funny, isn't it? Because a little while ago, he was being talked about as someone that they were going to leave behind when they were going into the World Cup. They took him and now he's a central part of their plans, clearly, because they want to take him. Look, he's gone to Arsenal and he's elevated Arsenal's attacking level so much that I think people that looked at him at Man City and thought, you know what, he's nearly there, are probably looking at him now and thinking, this is what he can do when he plays week in, week out. And it's the way he facilitates others. I always talk about that. But if you've got the likes of Vinicius Jr. and Rodrigo in your side, you know, Gabriel Jesus is a dream player to play alongside them. Richarlison was ahead of him previously in the pecking order, but he's not exactly pulling up trees uh, at Tottenham Hotspur and, and certainly hasn't since he's gone there. So perhaps that's led to Gabriel Jesus um, maybe stealing a march on him in terms of uh, the Brazilian national team. But hey, we're going to have to wait and see how that goes. Fingers crossed if he does play, um, you know, he comes through it unscathed. And if he can get some minutes in the tank that will help us moving forward, then OK. We're going to take a short pause and then we're going to talk Fabio Vieira amid interest in our Portuguese midfielder from a league earn outfit. We'll get into that in just a sec. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year, producing a balanced budget, not just for football, and saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favourite podcast app. Future you will thank you. 
What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland, for innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. French outfit Marseille are said to be interested in Fabio Vieira. This is an interesting one because I'd say He's above Emil Smith-Rowe in the pecking order. In Arteta's eyes, that is me personally. I have to say I'm not so sure. Um, he started the season well, looked like he'd improved, looked like he'd taken on all the things he'd learnt last season, that he was in a position now to really support us um, and, and help take us forward. Could prove to be a very, very valuable squad member. And he still could be that, prove himself to be that come at the end of this season. But I do think his performances, as I say, have tailed off a little bit. And I think the sending off against Burnley actually really annoyed Mikel Arteta. I mean, you look at the way Arteta responded to that. Arteta knows that the squad is dealing with a number of injuries at the moment. And Arteta would have been hoping that Fabio Vieira, um, particularly in Emil Smith-Rowe's absence, could be the one that steps up to the plate. You know, as I say, earlier on in the season, he'd shown signs of improvement, signs of moving in the right direction. And Mikel Arteta would have been pleased because he has been a bit of a slow burner since he came to Arsenal. At the beginning, I think there were question marks. You could see he was technically a very gifted footballer, but was he able to impose himself in the Premier League? He looked a bit lightweight to me. And over the course of sort of a number of months now, he's got himself into a position where when he's in the team, I'm like, okay, let's see how he does. And, you know, best of luck to him. You know, I, I think he can impact games. I think he can influence games. But the way Arteta responded to um, to that sending off was telling, I think, of how angry and, and annoyed he was that Fabio Vieira would do something so stupid in a time of great need for Arsenal because that's a three-game ban. You know, and we saw him then playing in the EFL Trophy, which again is kind of a kick to the stomach of Fabio Vieira and perhaps a bit of a statement from Mikel Arteta that kind of sends the message of, I'm not going to tolerate any indiscipline particularly at a time when I really, really need you. You know, the game was done. The game was dusted. The game was won. There was no need to make the challenge that Fabio Vieira did. Now, if you flip it from his point of view, he's eager to impress, right? He's not getting that many opportunities at this moment in time. And he wants to impress and compete, which is something that Mikel Arteta is always banging on about so that he can stake his claim for a place in the side. But he was just a little bit naive in that moment. Although I think Arteta's a little bit disappointed in him, although I think that Arsenal will be unhappy that this guy has essentially got himself sent off and, and put us in a position where we're without him now for three games while we're without Smith-Rowe, while Odegaard is yet to return. I don't think we're at the point yet where, you know, Arsenal are willing to let him go in January. I don't think we've reached that point yet. We've done so much work over the last couple of seasons to build out the squad, to get ourselves to a place where we can make two or three changes and the level doesn't significantly drop, where we can be without two or three key players at times uh, in terms of the whole makeup of the squad and still get through the games that we need to. Why would we allow players to leave and put ourselves back in that same position unless there was a complete and utter breakdown? You know, some have been suggesting 
over the past week that Aaron Ramsdale could leave in January. If Aaron Ramsdale left in January, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't think it will happen. I don't think it should be allowed to happen. But from the noises that we're hearing sort of coming out of his camp from his dad and all the rest of it, and, and we know that he's really concerned about a place in England's Euro 2024 squad, you start to wonder if, you know, Ramsdale's situation is at a point where he might well try and force a move. I don't think you're going to get any pushing from Fabio Vieira's side. I think he's happy at Arsenal. I think he recognises it's a great place to be. And I think he's willing to put the work in. Um, but, you know, in Ramsdale's case, if someone told me that that was going to happen, I'd go, don't like it, don't want it to happen, but I get it. It kind of makes a bit of sense. In Fabio Vieira's case, I don't. I think Arteta was annoyed with him uh, last time out. I think Arteta was livid with that, but I don't think Arteta's going to give up on him. Uh, just like that. So despite Marseille's interest, I think it's highly, highly unlikely uh, that he is going to be leaving. Um, had Emil Smith-Rowe been fit, had Martin Odegaard not had his problems of late, then maybe, just maybe, Fabio Vieira would have been allowed to go out on loan for three, four months, the remainder of the season. It'll be five months, wouldn't it? More like um, by the time you get to the end of January. Maybe Arteta would have got somebody in in January and thought at the end of the window, yeah, I can let this guy go because I've got Smith Rowe, I've got Havertz, I've got Odegaard, um, you know, and, I, and I've brought in perhaps potentially another midfield player. So maybe we'd be in a position then to allow that to happen, but not at this stage. So a number of things I think have to change for us to be in a place where we'd be willing to let him go. Uh, so interest from Marseille, but nothing that indicates a, a move is likely at this stage anyway, in my opinion. Uh, another short pause, and then we're going to talk Dusan Vlavic. That rumour has surfaced again. So what's the deal with it? Welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. According to Tuto Juve, uh, Arsenal are back in for Dusan Vlavic. They will be looking to uh, make a 70 million euro move uh, for the Serbian striker. Look, we've heard this a million and one times, and I can understand why people would turn on this video, see the title and go, oh, not this again, and sign off again. I hope you don't. I hope you don't do that before you've uh, left a like on the video because you all know uh, how much that helps. Um, but I wanted to explain some of the context around why I think that this story is being pushed once again by, and it's important to note this with Tuto Juve, uh, Juventus-affiliated media. Because that's what Tuto Juve are. Now, if you look at his Serie A uh, statistics so far, 10 appearances, four goals, one assists. So four goals in 10 league games, pretty good, right? It's, you know, it's nearly one every two, just shy of that. Um, he's only been in the starting 11, 50% of the time as well in Serie A this season because of fitness mainly. So that's why you can understand, um, you know, people looking at that 50% starting 11 and thinking, whoa, what's going on there? Well, it's fitness. It's been fitness. Um, so when you consider that and you consider he's only played 54% of their total minutes in Serie A so far this season, to have four goals in 10 is pretty good uh, from Dusan Vlavic. 23 years old, um, 1.9 metres tall. He's a big old lad. He's got a contract there until 2026. But this is, I think, the problem for uh, Juventus. From what I understand, from what I was told by somebody that covers Juventus quite closely um, over the past week or so, when we were just chatting about football and the Vlavic thing came up and I said, look, I, I'd really like him because I would. 
I think he'd be a really, really good signing for Arsenal. He sort of explained to me why it is that although Juve are not actingly, actively, I beg your pardon, trying to sell him now, the, he explained to me that if an offer came in of around about 70 million euros, maybe even 60 million euros, Juventus would consider it is because of this. They have a clause in his contract. There is a clause and an agreement between uh, Dusan Vlavic and Juventus that his salary is due to go up at the start of next season to a point where it, it increases quite a bit. Juventus are not totally convinced by Dusan Vlavic. You know, you think back to last season, didn't really have the impact that they'd hoped. Uh, again, injuries were a problem, but also Max Allegri's team were in dire straits last season. you got to say that. This season, things are different. Juve are looking much better. Dusan Vlavic, as a result of that, is looking better. But again, he's had a couple of problems at the start of this season in terms of fitness. So there's not a, a, a willingness or a need on Juve's part to sell him. They're, they're not sitting there every day going, how are we going to offload Dusan Vlavic? How can we make this happen? But there is almost an acceptance within um, the football club that if the right money was to come, across the table, they'd sanction it because of the reasons I've explained, but also because their outgoings with regards to Vlavic are due to increase significantly from the start of next season. So I actually think this is going to be Dusan Vlavic's last season at Juventus. Whether he ends up or at Arsenal or not remains to be seen. And there'll be a number of clubs, I think, interested in him. I think that, you know, had Bayern not been able to get the Harry Kane deal over the line, he'd have been the one for them. Um, you know, I think Vlavic does like and enjoy uh, being in Italy and all the rest of it. But I think, you know, a bit like the Ronaldo situation, Juve seem to sign themselves up for deals that very quickly they regret. I'm not saying they regret signing Cristiano Ronaldo because he elevated the profile of the club. Not that a European giant like Juventus needed that anyway. But it did get to the point where the cost of Cristiano Ronaldo was actually holding them back in other areas. And when you look at their wage bill and you look at the situation they find themselves in, the financial struggles that Italian football has in general, I actually think that Juve would probably feel like, you know, if someone could come in and, and give that sort of money, like it's almost a get out of jail free card. They do this. They set their sights on someone. They go over the top to get them, um, particularly on the wage side of things. We saw them do it with a load of players that they signed on free transfers a number of years ago. And I remember everyone saying, Brilliant business from Juventus. They've got X on a free. They've got Y on a free. They've got Z on a free. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. But if you looked into the salaries that they were paying those guys, it was always going to be a bit of a disaster in the end. So that's why I think that this rumor has resurfaced again. Again, I'll, I'll make the point I made before. Tuto Juve is a Juventus-affiliated uh, media, essentially. So you are going to get them working in Juve's interests and vice versa more often than not. Um, you know, they may have been briefed this by somebody um, within the club or, or maybe the player's agent or someone, I don't know, close to the club who, who wants or understands that Juventus are thinking about this behind the scenes. But it's not completely random again. It isn't just, oh, it's it's November, it's the international break. Where do we go with this? Let's, let's dig up an old story that we know will do clicks. Hey, let's go um, Vlavic to Arsenal. There is something behind, at least from Juve's side, um, this idea of Vlavic moving on. Whether that be to Arsenal or not remains to be seen. But um, as I've said already, I think he's a really good player. I think if he could stay fit, 
And again, that's the big risk that you take. And we've got enough of those players at Arsenal, haven't we? Players whose fitness we sweat over every single week. Um, but I do think that he would be a good addition to Arsenal. But the price has got to be right. The price has got to be right for Arsenal, obviously. Juventus, uh, I think, have lowered what they'd be willing to accept to around about 60-odd million euros, that is, uh, just from fear of the uh, the sort of um, the rising costs associated with Dusan Vlavic on their part moving forward. Anyway, we'll have to wait and see um, what happens with that. Right, another very, very, very short pause, and then we're going to do your questions from the chat for the last eight, nine, ten minutes or so, whatever it is. Get involved, uh, get your thoughts in. Let me know what you think about the stories we've discussed today. Just a quick recap. Um, oh, I almost missed one of the stories. What am I talking about? We're going to do uh, one more bit after the break, but we'll we'll merge the Q&A into that. I'm all over the shop today. I can't believe people are even listening to this. Just delete it off your feeds. Unsubscribe. It's awful. It's a mess. Uh, we'll be back in a, just, in a second. We're going to talk about a current Arsenal player, and then we'll take your questions. God, I've had a nightmare today. Somebody give me a drink. <laughs> Welcome back to the show. Hope you're good. Hope you are well. Okay. Uh, one more story to discuss. Um, where is it? Here it is. Uh, Kai Havertz, the left back. What is that all about? As if the ongoing debate regarding Kai Havertz's best position isn't complicated enough, the 24-year-old started at left back for Germany in their friendly over win over Turkey at the weekend and he scored from left back. I say win. Did they even win? I can't even remember who won 3-2 now. Let's see what I mean. I'm having a nightmare today. Basically, he, he scored from left back in Germany's <laughs> game uh, against um, against Turkey. Fair to say he was playing a very attacking role uh, and he enjoyed the freedoms that the more conventional fullbacks wouldn't, obviously. Julian Nagelsmann was asked about this uh, post-match and he said, I don't see this as a risk for him, but as a very, very big opportunity to play a key role at the Euros. He said Kai wanted to do it, wanted to try it uh, for a first time in an unfamiliar position, and he did extremely well. Having seen the highlights back, having looked at um, the heat maps and stuff, you know, he was getting forward a fair bit. He didn't have that license to get forward, but he was arriving that little bit later. Um, and I think he, you know, he did a, a pretty good job of it for someone that, has never played in that position before, at least not competitively in front of us anyway. Um, Julian Nagelsmann almost like kind of suggesting that this is a big opportunity for Kai Havertz to be a starter at the Euros, which kind of suggests that he doesn't think that, you know, he's got what it takes maybe to start in a more advanced role, in a, in a forward role, or that there are other people within the camp that he thinks is uh, are better equipped, sorry, to do that. So you can look at it from both ways, really. Um, but look, don't get obsessed by the position that he looked like he was playing on paper, because as I say, if you look at the heat maps and all the rest of it, he clearly didn't spend all that much time there, um, which I think is important for context. Uh, but yeah, you know, Kai Havertz at left back, anyone? Anyone interested in that? I mean, you're not going to drop too many balls over the top of him, are you? Uh, I saw a good one there. Uh, John says Zinni hasn't slept uh, since that Kai left back switch. <laughs> Mark Jerome says, was he playing inverted? He was drifting into inverted positions, yeah. Um, but he was also getting forward on the outside as well. It wasn't restricted to just stepping into midfield. And if you look at the goal he scored, um, it's not really a left-back's goal, which kind of backs up that point that he was uh, playing in far more advanced areas. <laughs> um, 
Tailwood Studio said the formation was ridiculous. The Turkish wingers had so much joy because the German fullbacks pretty much didn't exist. There you go. Says it all about how uh, disciplined Kai Havertz needed to be in the left back position. Um, let me take a few of your questions then. Uh, Fuad says, uh, surely if we're going to lay out another big fee, we're going to see a big sale at some point. Yeah, you know, it, it's going to have to be that way. We know that Arsenal are kind of sailing quite close to the wind when it comes to FFP. Um, you know, we don't want a 10-point deduction, do we? So we're going to have to make sure that we do these things properly. You know, who who can we sell? You know, Ramsdale? You know, if we're talking seriously, uh, you know, reluctantly I say this, but, you know, his future is up in the air at Arsenal. Fabio Vieira, I don't think Arsenal would sell him at this point. Um, you know, there's a few players out on loan. Can we convert any of those into deals? Um, will we strike some kind of let's have you now, pay you later kind of thing um, for, for any of our targets? I don't know. Um, Juventus are the kings of that, by the way. So if we are interested in Dusan Vlavic, uh, maybe we can do a loan uh, with an obligation to buy a year later, which is what they love to do to some of the smaller fish in this area. Uh, so maybe we give them a taste of their own medicine. Um what else have we got in the chat box? Uh, lots and lots coming through. Um, John Daly says, doesn't it show the type of person Havertz is, though? Uh, think that, I think this shows that he's a great guy off the field and willing to play anywhere when asked. I agree with this. You know, I agree with this. I think it's... Um, I think it shows that Kai Havertz is willing to to work for the team. He's willing to try things that might not be 100% comfortable for him for the benefit of the team. Um, you know, a lot of forwards, someone who's been in the German setup as long as he has. I know he's only 24, but he's been around for a long, long time in the German setup. Somebody else might go, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not trying that. But he clearly thinks that it's better to play than not to play. Um, let me rephrase that. It's better to play in an unfamiliar position than not play at all. That's how he probably looks at it. And he thinks that, you know, he, he needs to prove himself. Look, we sit here and we pull apart Kai Havertz's performances every week and we say this and we say that about him. Nobody knows more that, that he can do better than Kai Havertz himself. And if he thinks that playing in different positions is going to maybe take some of the pressure off of him in terms of everybody looking at him week in, week out and going, he's got a score, he's got a score, he's got a score, he's not scored, all the rest of it then maybe that's that's the right way to go. I'm not saying he should come back to Arsenal and play at left back. I have said repeatedly to you guys uh, over the course of this season that we've got to stop judging him as a forward because he's not playing as one um, the majority of the time. But yeah, I, I think you're right to highlight that it shows a good side of Kai Havertz, the team player side of Kai Havertz, the fact that he was willing to do that. Um, yeah, so um, Andy Jackson said he should have been left back at Cobham, but what do I know? Oh. I'd expect nothing less from you, Mr. Jackson. Always a beacon of positivity uh, in the chat box. Um, Alistair Ben says, I'd have thought of Kai Havertz as a, a defensive midfield player because defensively he's quite good, but I never thought about him as a left back. I never thought about him at either position, to be honest with you. <laughs> Amira says, so after signing Trossard, Jorginho and Kivior out of the blue last January, um, give us at least one good reason why we should believe any links now, Harry. Look, if you look back over my content of the course of last week, international break, I didn't do one um, transfer story, really. You know, we touched on a couple that were doing the rounds, but I said to you after every single one of them, take it with a pinch of salt. I said that repeatedly. 
I just wanted to provide a bit of context as to why these Vlavic rumours have resurfaced again because of Juventus's position, because of the financial um, change in Vlavic's contract after this season. That's why this is being pushed from the Italian side and being pushed from Juventus-affiliated media in particular. Okay, uh, Goon Gang says, uh, what do you believe is our January priority, a centre-forward or strengthen the midfield and move on Partey? I don't think we should move on Partey in January, but I do think strengthening the midfield has got to be the number one at the moment. Um, I really, really do. Okay, um, what else have we got? Taylor says, I just wish he'd be a good guy on the field. Well, he's a good guy off the field. I'm sure he's a good guy on the field too. Um, could he perform better? Yeah, of course he could. Of course he could. Diagene says, we're struggling to find positives for Kai. No, I, look, I don't think, you know, I think in, in recent weeks, you know, and I've said this before, granted, I've had to look a bit harder than I'd have liked, but I am seeing some positive signs from Kai Havertz. This thing about, um, this thing about us kind of like searching for positives now, like the guy played in an unfamiliar position and scored a goal. And we sit here every week saying that he's struggling playing in an unfamiliar position and he doesn't score any goals. So when he does that, we have to look at the positive side of it. We have to give him his flowers. Otherwise, we're being unfair. So, yeah. Um, yeah, like let's just review it as and analyze it as what it is, which is Kai Havertz playing in an unfamiliar position and scoring a goal. You know, it's it's not deeper than that. Like, I'm not saying, oh, Kai Havertz has turned the corner now, happy days. I still think there's work to be done, obviously. But, um, you know, give him his flowers when uh, when he deserves them. George says, I don't often watch you because I'm busy, but I'm so happy for you that you're growing and growing. Love from Cyprus. Thank you very much, man. And uh, love to everybody, of course, in the motherland. Do you know what I did over the weekend? I, I, I've been wanting to do one of these for ages. Um, obviously, as far as I know, my family are Greek Cypriots, right? But I did one of those heritage DNA tests um, and I can't wait to see what's going to come back. Um, yeah, it is, it's going to be interesting because I'm I'm almost certain that it's not going to come back 100% uh, from sort of things that I've heard from older family members. But yeah, uh, interesting um, to see how that's going to go. Maybe I'll share it with you on a podcast if you're interested. If you're not, just tell me to to do one and I won't bother. But anyway, um, let me take one more comment uh, from the chat box before I go. Uh, we'll be back, of course, tomorrow with more content. Um, if there's anything specific you want to hear discussed tomorrow, please do uh, let me know. Um, I'll obviously uh, decide finally on what we're going to do tomorrow when I see what stories are doing the rounds and all the rest of it. But there's any, if there's anything you want to touch on, Please let me know. Uh, Tailwood Studios said, um, Kai is slowly improving, but I think the issue here is that there are hundreds of players who don't have confidence issues that we could have signed who fit better and have the ability to hit the ground running. Um, what else have we got? Uh, Mark Jerome says, would he be scrutinised as much if we hadn't paid 65 million for Havertz? No, um, he, he wouldn't be. But I also think, and, and I used to say this about Nicolas Pepe as well, so I'm pretty consistent with this. I think the price tag, you know, if, if you think that there's a problem with spending £65 million on him, then you've got to look at the club for that. You've got to look at the club and say, you know, come on, like, it, it, you've made a mistake here. 
throwing that at Kai Havertz as an individual all the time does no good for anybody because he didn't dictate that price. It's not like Arsenal had a deal in place with Chelsea for 30 million and Kai Havertz went, nope, I'm only going if they pay 65 million for me. So that's where, yeah, at the time you question it. But then after that, it's 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 been and gone. And you've got to look solely at the player's performance and try and put the price to one side. You know, it's a bit like the Declan Rice thing as well. Look, he's playing well, so nobody's even talking about the £105 million price tag, which proves that the price tag is only an issue when someone's not performing. It's, it's kind of a fickle way of looking at stuff. But that's on the club. That's on the club. It's not on Kai Havertz as an individual. And it's, it's unhelpful to sort of load him with that baggage and expect him to carry that around every week to the point where we're bringing it up every week. And it's all he sees when he goes on social media, when he reads the papers. Like, I just think we've kind of got to move past that now and, and look at the player and judge the player. The price tag's been and gone, man. We're not getting any refunds. We're not getting any discounts. It's done. Anyway, um, Greenbone says, uh, your heritage is going to come back that you're part Bayesian. Oh, that's any excuse for me to go uh, over there. Moss says uh, he did that ancestry uh, test two years back. He said his dad was not happy. As it said, he was more... Uh, he said I was more Norwegian than him. <laughs> uh, Moss also says that mine's going to come back Cypriot, Portuguese, because apparently I look like Ruben Neves and Serbian because I look like Mitrovic as well. <laughs> right. Going to leave it there. Thank you all so, so much for joining me. As always, I'll catch you very soon uh, on another edition of the podcast. Like, subscribe, all the rest of it. It's been a, a fun show, but... One on which I would admit that I certainly haven't done my best work in terms of tripping up on my words, getting the intro wrong uh, and forgetting one of the key topics, moving on to the Q&A and then having to backtrack. But hey, everybody's allowed an off day. I'll catch you all soon. Until next time. Goodbye. (laughs) 